I choose to say I want to build a company that puts people over profit, and as a result, I'll make more profit, I'll, I'll gross more dollars, I'll have happier employees, I'll have more engaged customers, and I'll have vendors who like to do business with me. That's the kind of business I want to run. Welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 323. Today is Sunday, the 14th of April, 2019. And first, a quick shout out and thanks to Kevin at KC1962 for your recent podcast review on iTunes. You'll see I took to heart your suggestion. I'd love it if you all would consider dropping in your ratings too. On to this week's guest. Jeffrey Hazlett is a primetime TV and radio host, keynote speaker, and author of the best-selling business book, The Hero Factor, How Great Leaders Transform Organizations and Create Winning Cultures. Jeffrey focuses on transformation, leadership, innovation, and change management to drive business growth, having bought and sold over 200 businesses. On Jeffrey's site, and it says it all, he writes, Warning, low energy, bad attitudes, negative moods are all symptoms of a much bigger problem. In this conversation with Jeffrey, we talk about the journey to becoming a hero company, overcoming some of the constraints and challenges in making a purpose-led company that makes money. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. Jeffrey Hazlett, um, great to have you on the show. Small story, my roommate at university uh, was called a Hazlett as well, but without the Y in it. So it's a name that's always been close to my heart. So a little shout out to my my roommate, Bert Aislett, you, um, now talking to Jeffrey, uh, you are a multiple author, a very well-known speaker, and a man who's not afraid to hide from his convictions. Uh, Jeffrey, in your own words, that's mine, how do you describe yourself? You know, I'm just a uh, you know a speaker, an author, a, you know business business person, and then a part time cowboy. I'd like to be a full time cowboy, but uh, just I'm too busy out running around doing business that I just don't get home enough on the ranch or I get home to 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 uh, to play that role. I'd love to play that role, but I'm kind of a boardroom cowboy to some extent. You know, in the business, I've been described that quite quite frankly that way because I tend to just uh, you know roll in. Ride in on the horse, um, you know, and, uh, and so to, to take over and, and start doing the stuff I have to do because that's what cowboys do. We do the work. Mm. Well, yeah. I can imagine. Does, does a cowboy wear boots? I do wear, and I do wear boots. I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's all I wear is cowboy boots. I wear jeans and cowboy boots and usually dress pretty casual. Um, in fact, the other day I had to go somewhere, I had to go buy a pair of pants. You know, because uh, I just don't wear suits anymore. I, 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 you know, I came from that world for so long, and now I just go, no, I'm not doing that, you know. So one of the things I, I wanted to uh, really focus in on was the hero factor. Uh, your, yeah. I, th- I think it's your last book. Um, yep, it is. It's the most recent book, and it's doing really well, The Hero Factor. And, All right, so what inspired you to write The Hero Factor? You know, it, it started from uh, the fact that we, we own the Hero Club, and how we got that was through by a guy named Rob Ryan, who sold his company back in 1998 for $20.4 billion. 
and that's with a B. And when he sold that company, he and his wife, Terry, who was also the chief legal officer, set aside a certain percentage of the company for every single employee, making the single number of millionaires ever created in one day. And um, all these people would come up to Rob and Terry and say, Mr. Ryan, you don't know me, but I'm the janitor, and you helped me send my kids to college. You're my hero. Or you helped me pay for the operation for my mother-in-law. You're my hero. And, you know, he never felt like a hero, but he said, you know what, I'd like to do something where I could help other people do what I just did. So he started teaching a little a little course and got a little group together, and it was about it grew to about 20, uh, 30 people. And and he was helping them, you know, get exits, not as big as his. I mean, that's one of the biggest exits of, of all time, quite frankly. Sure. You know, uh, it wasn't topped until Microsoft bought uh, LinkedIn in 2016, so it stood for 17 years. And... Um, you know, and it, but he never could get it over about thirty people because it's it's a different kind of business. It's a different kind of um, activity when you bring people together in kind of a mastermind or a peer group. And and so he saw what we were doing with the C Suite Network, and he said, "Hey, come come take this over." And so we took it over, and as a result, um, you know, we've grown it you know ten x in the last year. And one of the things we did was we put together a a pledge. Uh, that that everybody signs that says that you'll 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 run your business in a hero fashion, and and what we found out through the study of all the groups that started to be, become part of this movement was that they were transforming their organizations and creating really winning cultures that were different than what we see in the books. You know, I think one of the most classic books out there is Good to Great, and we've actually the New York Times. Jim Collins. Yeah, Jim Collins, a great book, you know, and, and Jim's a great author and a great and a great thought leader. And um, New York Times described this book as, you know, the hero factor takes over where good to great leaves off. Because what we find today, and this is across the board, whether you're, you know, across the pond, so to speak, or anywhere in the world, um, you, you've got, you know, 50, some 53% of employees aren't engaged. 28% don't even know what your vision is. And when you start to see those kinds of numbers, you need something that's more inspiring. So the hero factor actually helps companies position themselves in such a way they actually gross more dollars, they earn more money, they um, have happier employees, more engaged customers, and vendors who want to do work with them. So the, and, and so the hero factor you know, kicks in and says, you can be better than a good company. You could be a, and there's lots of different kinds of companies. There's good companies, good co's, there's, there's wannabes, there's, um, you know, do-gooders who have high hero values, but low operational excellence. There's, you know, opcos, which are what I would call great operations, but low on, lower on hero values. And then of course there's, there's those asshat companies that are just, you know, low on everything, you know? And, um, and, but, you know, my most important message of the book is pick a side you know pick a place you want to be i don't i don't care where it is on that chart although i'd have a little bit of a problem with you if you were in kind of an asset company but um but you know outside of but anyone could choose you can choose to be the kind of company that wants to charge you know uh fifty thousand dollars for insulin if that's what you want to do um but you know you're kind of a you're kind of a jerk kind of company, and we we don't need people like that in this world. But that's a different thing. But if but if you you know if you want to be an operational excellence company, focus on that. And you don't want to focus on values. I get that. That's okay. You can just make money. That's all right. But but I choose to say I want to build a company that puts people over profit, and as a result, I'll make more profit. 
I'll, I'll gross more dollars. I'll have happier employees. I'll have more engaged customers, and I'll have vendors who like to do business with me. That's the kind of business I want to run. And I see people running business like that all over the world. So I want to go into one small area first, which is sure, the, sure. The, between the great companies that Collins talks about and heroic companies that you talk about, if you will, if I use the word heroic. What kind of bridges do you see between Collins's vision and yours? Well, I think I think Collins' vision is spot on, but I think the difference is they do it with a cause or a value set. And that's the real difference is the values. What are the values that you espouse the most? And, and by the way, they can be any set of values. I mean, I, I celebrate in the book, I celebrate people like uh, Kathy Truett. I don't know if you know Kathy Truett, but it runs a little business called Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he, uh, he espouses a belief in a certain about sexuality that I don't, which means he says – you know, same-sex people shouldn't marry. And he's been very public about it. He's a big ultra-right Christian, lives in Georgia. You know what? It's not the kind of thing I would say, but he, he believes in that. He also says that Chick-fil-A won't open on Sundays. So I can't get that great southern fried chicken sandwich that I like to have with a pickle on it on a Sunday because he says that's the day for the families. And by the way, there's another company called Michael's that does the same thing. So on Hobby Lobby, you can't you can't go in you can't go into I think it's Hobby Lobby or Michael's I can't remember which one you can't go into that on a Sunday because they say it's the day of the Lord and you shouldn't do it. Well, but you know what? I wouldn't do business that way. But by gosh, I I support him him or her 100 percent. And by the way, corporate public companies and they have this vow now. What I like about that is at least they have a set of values that they live to. I, by, by gosh, I, I, I praise them. But, and I, you know, and by the way, I don't, don't agree with it, but I'll still buy his chicken sandwich. Now, on the other hand, you have companies like, let's say, let's take Ben and Jerry's. Those guys are the most far left liberals. They've come all the way to the right. I mean, they've, you know, they hug trees, you know, um, and do, do things which, you know, um, and take stands on issues that, that, you know, my conservative, little bit right wing, even though I'm a big Democrat, um, I, I kind of look at and go, oh, my God, they're crazy. They're nuts. But you know what? But they make a great ice cream. And, and by gosh, I support their right to do what they do. They live a set of values that says our companies will operate. Therein lies the difference between – and I'm giving extreme examples, right? Hmm. But, but therein lies the difference uh, between you know, what I would call those great companies. They're saying, in my community, this is what we stand for. This is who I am. This is what our company will be like. And if you want to get with our company, you want to be a part of it, you want to be part of our, our hero culture, then this is what these are the values that we espouse. And so um, you know, it's important for every company to have a, a stated set of values and then operating principles. Something I, I take away from what you've just said is this notion of, of standing out, not just standing up for your values. Mm but not being afraid to espouse a political cause or a something like a hot-button type of position. And at the end of the game, whether you, Jeff, like them or not is something that's, that's one thing. But they have obviously spoken to a community that seems to support that, and then that's how they make their living. 
Absolutely. And I think that's okay. I mean, we, in business, as you well know, we've been a little reluctant to speak our mind because it just might cause rifts. Right. right? You know, it's probably even a little bit more British, you know, eh, maybe we shouldn't do those, you know, kind of things. But, you know, um, and what we're starting to see is it really doesn't make a difference. In fact, most companies would like you. They'll even disagree with you, but they'll like you if you pick a side. So pick a side. And, and, and be clear about it because it's, you know, this is, this is life and why be too short? Why be wishy-washy about it? Well, because and, then people are fearful that they're going to piss off some customers and they're going to okay. lose some people. That's why they... Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know what? You'll lose more people by not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, exactly. know? you know, so as opposed to taking a stand on the issue or doing something, sure, if, it, you know... You know, I you know I, I give Starbucks uh, Starbucks. I write about Starbucks because they've had a couple of, of, of very public issues on how they deal with something. You know, with two young black men who walked into yeah, a Philadelphia, Philadelphia, yeah, Philadelphia store and how they were treated. And and I gave them credit for that. I took on Google for Google when they fired the tech uh, for about the equal hiring of women or or more preferential hiring for women. But you know, at the same time, yeah, let's let's take Starbucks. This is an extreme example here in the U.S. Starbucks has a policy of like in some states you can you there's actually an, what's called an open carry law. So in some states you can gun. actually yeah right. you can actually walk into an establishment with a gun. And do you know that Starbucks is as as liberal as they are supports that issue because they say we'll support what the local community say. And so in some states you might maybe they actually walk in, they do a march, and they, they walk down the streets and then like a little parade, and they're carrying open firearms, and then they walk in and have a coffee at Starbucks. It's kind of a symbolic kind of thing. You know, and a lot of people were upset with Starbucks because Starbucks said, um, it's okay, you can do that. Because, see, that's what the law says. So, so I, I thought that was an interesting thing. On the one hand, you know, here's here's an organization that's, that's pro, you know, pro gay marriage, pro same sex, uh, pro very liberal things. But on the same side, they would allow that, and you would not think that to be the case. But that that's where they took their stand, and I, I thought that was an interesting take um, as a business. You know what? I don't think it's hurt them one bit, has it? No, and and uh, of course it's not a far leap to think Howard Schultz would want to run for president. That'll be interesting. There's certainly the Democrats are taking them on and having been involved in politics for a number of years myself um, in the House and Senate and running some presidential campaigns and some political campaigns in the states. Um, you know, the Democrats are really trying to kill him because he's not your established kind of candidate. So. Indeed. I listened to him at South by Southwest. So um, one in, in, in Hero Factor, one of the things you say, you says you like to ask people, is it about profit or purpose first? And then you berate both of us if you say one or the other. It's about profit and purpose. There's not one that goes ahead of the other. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so I think that's a thank you for the way you stated that because I think it's important for us to understand there's a balance between the two. In, in, in the book on page 12, I know it by heart, <laughs> there's a chart where I actually lay out your where you stand as a company based on your values and your and your operational excellence, your profitability, and the way in which you run your company. And and by the way, there's a free assessment on the website, uh, theherofactorbook.com. If you go there, you can get a free assessment to kind of figure out where you are, and there's some exercises you can do with your company, give to you all for free. But in, in there, in the lower right-hand corner, are, are companies that are, are do-gooders. 
So let's take a do-gooder. They have high, high values, meaning they're doing it for the right reasons. They're standing up, taking a cause. They, they're helping out people. They're doing everything they possibly can. But they make no money. What's the use of that? What's the use of you struggling and struggling and only you're, you're, you have great values, but you're ineffective and able to put them forth? So you have to have the profit. Profit's not a bad word. In fact, free enterprise system is what's built most of the great you know, industries and most of the great countries and most of the great process around this world. And um, I, I think profit's not a bad word. And so by having great profits, by making good money in the right kinds of ways, what a fantastic way to be able to support the values that you espouse. And so that's why I say you have to have the balance between the two. At some level, it makes me think that maybe profit and purpose, you need both. But the how you do it is important, too. Maybe that's where the values come through. Absolutely. I mean, if I mean, if you do it ruthlessly <laughs> for a good cause, that's not that doesn't help you much, right? You know. And so I even, you know, I take on, you know, CEO salaries. I take on, you know, when you when you exit, do you take all the money or do you leave some behind? And do you remember the people that you got there that got you there? A lot of different things. You know, I I'm a I'm about to ra do a raise for our own C-suite radio, and I'm setting aside a percentage of the company if I ever sell the company for all the host, all the host on our company because they helped me build the product. I think that's a value. I think that's something I should do. And my team said, "Well, you didn't have to do that." And I said, "Yeah, but don't you think? I mean, they contributed to that. So you know, they're not owners. They didn't invest money." But yet they're great hosts, um, and you know we we host their shows on our network. Why wouldn't I help pay back? You know, you know, give them a reward for that if, if we ever exit. Cool. So one of the areas that always interests me is within the play on values is this notion of ethics, and I was wondering what your take on how do you mix and put in the salad of values the ethics component. Well, I think you have to be ethical to drive great values. So, um, to me, they're they're side by side. They're different. They're different in what we value versus how we do it. And to me, the ethics is more around the how we do it, and the values are more about why and what we drive. So, Jeff, what what were the or are the critical ingredients that led you on this journey to embrace the hero factor? Well, you know one. I just I, I'm surrounded by these heroes every day, these men and women who I see every day um, in the hero club. But beyond the hero club, I see them in business all over the place. I see them uh, across the U.S., across North America, across the world. I see businesses who do the right things every day, who take care of their employees, take care of their customers, take care of their vendors and, you know, take care of their environment because it's in their backyard and they do it without you know, saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. So they're driving great hero cultures. And I see them every single day. I've seen them all, all my life growing up. And so I thought there was a time, there's a time in which to say, okay, these are the kinds of things that happen. And why can't we drive all business that way? Why can't we all be like that? Because at the same time, I see bad companies, right? I see companies that don't operate with operational excellence. I see operational excellence companies that are great business investments but don't have high values. And that doesn't – that's not right, you know, as well. So I said, why don't we start doing things because it's right 
and then find the balance. You know, you, you see these hero companies and communities who take care of the symphony, who take care of making sure that there's enough walkers for the bikeathon or the or the or the you know the, the march or um, or or you know take care of the little league teams or the soccer or football teams, you know, for kids. And I just thought, geez, why don't we start recognizing this and and understanding this is this is in my opinion the the pinnacle of where you want to be. And then how and what's the what's the way in which you get there? What's the way in which you get there? And then it's a safe place because it's not easy for some people to like you and I just talked a moment ago saying um, make a stand. You know, it's scary sometimes. But mm. you know what? There's it's it's it is scary that you'll make the wrong decision and you could lose your whole business, you know. But you know, it's I don't know in the states here recently you saw this extortion error by the by one of the attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. Who said who said I'm going to take 3 billion dollars off your top line just by leaking the story unless you pay me 20 million dollars. And the first thing Nike did, first thing Nike did was pick up the phone and call the federal prosecutor. Mm-hmm. I I thought that took guts. Because if you're looking at three billion versus twenty million, and they're going to get embarrassed because they had some employee who probably did something they shouldn't have done because they've had that before, um, and yet um, they said no, we don't operate like that. And by the way, and we won't be extorted. Totally. You know, I, I just thought I, I took that. I think Nike should, and Nike's not getting it like they should, in my opinion, because Nike takes some hard hits. I mean, you know, the mm-hmm. Vietnamese workers or this or that. And and so, you know, I think companies try to do the right things whenever they can. Uh, some company, not all companies, but but it was I was uh, I was cheering Nike when that when that happened. So if someone was... might, I might have to go out and buy a pair of Nike. <laughs> but they don't make boots, though. They don't make Nike yeah, put, cowboy boots. Yeah, put your mouth where your feet are. Um, exactly. Sorry, that. So. Um, in terms of the hero factor, so it's obviously something I, I, I really resonate with this notion of mixing purpose and, and not being afraid to be profitable. There are surely companies that just shouldn't be trying to do it. I mean, you know, so who, because, who you know, maybe everyone says, well, intellectually, this is the right thing to do. But either, how would you sort of suggest put in a box, these are the people, you just stay where you are, don't even think about it? Well, I'm okay with that. I, you know, I'm okay with that if that's your decision, right? If you want to be an operational excellence company and you want to operate like that, fine, then do that. Don't then don't don't give money to a charity right. or don't give money to this and then claim you're a green company. Yeah, mm-hmm. g- give me don't don't give me that bullshit. You know, tell me tell me you know do be yourself. I'm okay with that. And then give money so that you're less of an ass. Okay, fine, I'm all right with that. Um, but pick a side. So, and there are some companies I would I would like you to strive to be that because I believe that they you know by running your company as a hero company, you're the best of the best of the best. That you're the, you're you're the ones on the pedestals. Now, if you can't be there, then be the best at what you're doing. That's, I'm fine with that, and I state that in the book. I I, I, I talk about picking a side, um, but realize where you're at, and realize and don't. Don't don't give me the platitudes that you you operate like this because mm. you don't. One of the things that's obviously difficult, especially for publicly traded companies, is managing shareholder expectations. Mm-hmm. And you come in as a CEO, you've been running, let's say, a an operationally excellent company. Now you know, but you you ate you drank the Kool Aid of you know Ben and Jerry's or whomever, whatever it is. Yep. You now want to persuade the whole company to go for more purpose and and be more protective of the environment, the three P's and so on. 
how do you embark the shareholders? Wall Street is is still a pretty hostile environment for that kind of a conversation. Oh, in a heartbeat. It's not easy. Don't don't get me wrong, but it can be done. I mean, I'll give you a great example. Um, you know, my um, Autodesk years ago. I did actually did a television show when I was a host of Bloomberg um, TV where I went into the boardroom of Autodesk because as they were making the transition from a shrink wrap software company to um, you know a SaaS company, they um, were trying to move customers and realized they, they couldn't do it because it takes years because Autodesk works with large construction firms, engineering firms, and so forth. And many of those projects are seven years long or 10 years long when you're building an airport or you're building a bridges or uh, a port. And yet here they said by the, you know, next year we're going to go 100% SaaS. Well, they realized that wasn't the case. And so their earnings took a big hit. And the CEO got on a call and said, last year's, uh, last quarter's earnings was an unmitigated disaster. (laughs) He actually said that on the earnings call. I've never heard a CEO tell the truth like that, you know, in in such a, a very, you know, honest and forthright way, transparent way. And so he took a hit. But where he was going in terms of getting to to the values of what they were going to stand for was better in the long run. You know, um, you know, look at Dom- Domino's Pizza in the United States. Domino's Pizzas ran commercials one time that says their pizzas taste like cardboard, that they suck. And I thought, well, who says that? Why did they advertise that? Well, they, you know, they found out their customers just didn't believe in the product. And so they spent $10 million to retool the company, retool the recipes, spent $80 million to go out and tell people that they changed the recipes, that they changed the brand promise of the company, which the brand promise was, you know, 30 minutes or it's free. So basically you used to call them. And, and then as soon as it, you, you hung up the phone, you used to look at your watch, hoping you would get a free crappy pizza. I mean, that's basically what their promise was. They cared more about getting you the box than what was in the box. And they said, no, we're going to change that. We're going we're gonna to stop that. We're going to scrap that, and we're going to say we're going to stand for a great pizza. We're going to be a great product. Well, what's the result? Their stock went from $0.90 cents to over $109. I mean, by telling the truth, by being being transparent – it's so to basically to operate with values, there's a payoff. It doesn't mean it's painful. It's like I'm out of shape. You know, I'm not a, I'm out of shape. So to get in shape, I'm going to have to exercise. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt, but and I'll be better off for it. Right. And you have to bring the shareholders along, though, in the journey, because if their expectations are just profit, just shareholder return, you know, let's yeah. say, then they can be very quickly disappointed as soon as they hit the, you know, you hit a roadblock. Sure, and they'll short you, and they'll they'll beat you up. They'll sue. They'll sue you. All those things occur. So, um, amongst the great examples you have in your book, uh, the one that I, I picked up and really appreciated was this uh, example of the High Point College. Uh, High Point University. Yeah. High Point University. So, talk yeah. us through uh, what you were trying to do in that point, and well, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, it was just, I mean, a great example. Nito Cobain, who's a very good friend of mine who you know, came to this country years ago with nothing in his pocket and became a speaker and then bought a business and grew that and created a franchise business and then became president of a university and raised hundreds of millions of dollars, increased the, you know, when when education's going down, he, he everything around him is going up, you know, because he created an, an, an you know, a, a source of excellence around his college with people who care. And I use an example of I was walking by the college and through the college and one of the one of the VPs, one of the biggest, you know, deans reached down and picked up a piece of paper, you know, on the ground. Hmm. Not his job. He's an academic guy. 
And I just thought, how impressive was that? And then all the things that they do to prepare students for graduation and their job, they take it very serious. Their job isn't just about getting you a diploma. It's to get you ready for the, you know, the rest of your life. And uh, very impressive, just impressive university. Yeah, modeling the behavior. I, I used yeah. to run a company called Redken, based out of New York, and mm-hmm. we had an international symposium where 10,000 customers came paying to, to listen to us talk and exchange, and it was, it was a really great experience. But one of the keys of making that experience work um, with the guy who was running the U.S., Pat Parenti, was that we needed to show every single person who came that they had a singular experience that was custom built for them, for all 10,000 people. Anyway, part of our little things we said was if if we saw a hairdresser walking down, because they're hairdressers we're dealing with, right. who, who um, dropped a handkerchief or something, well, Pat or I could pick it up as well as anyone else and, and say thank you for coming. Same like, The same principle of, of sort of demonstrating the behavior you want to see happen throughout your organization. Uh, totally. There's a great example. Hero stuff. Hero <laughs> stuff. Heroic, heroic, yeah. So um, for just last question, for, for kids that are trying to get onto a career, what kind of advice do you give them in terms of trying to make it? <laughs> well, um, you know, a lot of people tell you to follow your passion. I think you got to follow your passion with um, making sure you get the bills paid. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. So you, you have to have passion with reality. Yeah, it's like and per, so, pa- passion and passion and, and profit. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the two Ps, maybe we just hit on something right there. But yep. I think it's important for you to really realize that you, you can't, while it might be great to be passionate about something, but if you're not making money at it to drive the things that you like to do, then it really doesn't get you. Just like I say in a hero company, it's great to have great hero values, and, but if you don't make it money, then you can't impact the world in the way that you want it to do. So mm-hmm. you just have to have that balance, and that's what I tell you. Great. But go for it. Go for so, it. Swing. Yeah, swing. Swing for the fences. So yeah. what's the best way to reach you, Jeff? Uh, track hey, you, you down you and can, follow you. Uh, absolutely. You can find me anywhere on social media with Hazlet, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T. And um, you can find me on C-Suite Radio, C-Suite TV, C-Suite Book Club, C-Suite Network, anything with C-Suite in it, you can find us. And I uh, would love to have you you know, link in, uh, follow me on Twitter or or Facebook, I respond to everything. Beautiful. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely wonderful to have you. Sparky stuff. And uh, congratulations on the Hero Factor. I'll put all the show notes in the blog post, of course. Oh, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on minterdial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish... Here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
arms of a woman I'm a convinced man challenge my fate I'm a convinced man competitions in me a convinced man in the arms of a woman despise revenges and struggle to see live for the challenge so lives not in What's wrong with challenge? I know soon we all die. I like the feel of a stranger tucked around me, precipitating the danger to feel free. Trust in my reason and let me show you why. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about. 
and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.